our second decade of university sports coverage, TSN proudly presents CIAU Basketball. They get it in deep to Turnbull. Da-da-da. Let the boys be boys. It's good to get this win. Back. Wait, there it is. Can it go? It does. It goes down by Nikhil Brooks. We're high-fiving in the city tonight. They'll be battling for the W.P. McGee Trophy, which is emblematic of the national championship of this country. Welcome to the Internet's only Canadian University podcast, now monthly for the offseason. This is Muted Madness. <laughs> I am Mitch Robson, joined by Jordan Henry, as always. Jordan, we have a massive, monumental, life-altering interview on the, t- on the show today. Yeah, uh, we, we get a lot of big guests. Uh, we're big game hunters. <laughs> you know, it is the offseason. But uh, that won't stop us from going after the big fish. Uh, interim U Sports CEO Dick White joins us. Uh, candid interview goes all the way in on how he sees U Sports taking the next step, uh, the COVID guidelines, how the cancellation of fall sports affects everything. But uh, yeah, big pod. One of the one I would I would say right off the bat, definitely the biggest June pod we've ever done. A hundred percent. I think on our Mount Rushmore of pods, this is this fills the June time slot. A hundred percent. A great capper to uh, an eventful week for us. Uh, mm-hmm. We're not going to discuss all of it in, in a lot of details, but there was some uh, exciting times earlier this week. And, you know, you just sometimes have to do something that is for the greater good. Yeah, uh, getting some media coverage, uh, multiple countries. Uh, you did a couple of interviews as well. Did. And uh, I think the biggest thing we put out all week was uh, I spent a portion of my workday yesterday doing some research, uh, which involved collaborating with the great Martin Timmerman. As always. About CIAU players that had been drafted into the NBA. Yeah, shout out to Which, our uh, shout out to our intern for bringing that idea up to us. Uh, mm-hmm. and you were able to run with that, and uh, some pretty cool deep dives as as you detailed in the thread. Give the people a quick recap. Yeah, well, I'm a little upset. I missed one. Oh, uh, yeah, I missed one player. Tough scene, but uh, started with Warren Sutton, first player to ever uh, get drafted from. CIAU to the NBA, ninety fourth overall. Pretty pretty solid, you and, know. Ninety fourth uh, overall. Nineteen sixty four. He played at Acadia for two seasons and was a pretty solid player. And then transferred to Sir George William. Our favorite. Mitch, do you know what university is now Sir George William? I'm going to guess it is in the province of Quebec. Yeah, it's Concordia. Oh, it's almost as if I knew that. It was, yeah. Uh, 
So he was drafted in 1964. Brian Heaney, one of two CIAU players to ever play in an NBA game. Huge. Uh, he played at Acadia in 67-68. 215th overall, as the NBA draft used to uh, be quite long. Mr. Irrelevant, one could say. Yeah. Uh, after him was Ron Thorson. He played at UBC for four seasons. He was drafted by Buffalo in 73. Mickey Fox. This is He has potentially... One of my favorite uh, U-Sports, CIS, CIAU careers all time. Plays four years at St. Mary's, winning a national championship. Takes a year off, becomes the assistant coach of the men's team, so the team that he had just played four years on. Then he goes and becomes the head coach of the women's team the year after that. Then he goes back using his fifth year of eligibility after coaching for two years. And returns and wins another national championship at St. Mary's. So the Trailblazers take him 56th overall in 1979. That was like Ray Allen, like retiring for a couple days and then coming back with the heat. Yeah, but not like, can you imagine retiring, coaching your team, becoming the head coach of your school's women's team, and then coming back and winning a national championship? That's, yeah, that's that's the mark of true success right there. Uh, greatest Lakehead Thunderwolf of all time. Sorry, Scott Morrison. Uh, Jim Zoet played two years at Lakehead. He was undrafted in the 78 draft, but played two games for the Detroit Pistons in the 82-83 season. Uh, Perry Merkovich, Big Merk, uh, was drafted by the Portland Trailblazers. He played five years at Lethbridge. David Coltard, uh, Coltard's strong family ties all through the OUA. He was drafted by the Detroit Pistons after playing five years at York University. Greg Wilcher played one season at UVic, uh, so our father of the uh, famous Wilcher that now plays overseas in Europe, I believe, and spends a lot of time with Canada basketball. You'll see uh, he was drafted 43rd overall by the Chicago Bulls in 1984. Carl Tillman, five years with Calgary. He was drafted by the Nuggets, 79th overall, same draft as Wilcher in '84. Eli Pasquale, don't need to wax poetic about him. Greatest UVic Vike, potentially greatest Can West player of all time. He was drafted by the Seattle Supersonics, 106th overall in that draft. Larry Hampton was drafted by the Hawks, 150th overall in 85. He played one year at Acadia. And William Njoku, uh, he was at St. Mary's for four years, and he was drafted 41st overall in 1994 by the Pacers. I'm just going to try and find the player that I had missed. Richie Spears. He had played at Acadia and was drafted by the St. Louis Battlehawks in 1964. So that was the one and an, I had missed. Another user actually pointed out to us, this was pre-CIAU uh, NBA era, but Gino Sovereign, who you and I had the pleasure of actually interviewing, uh, mm-hmm. went to Assumption College in the 40s. I believe he's passed away now, but we did, a, we did an interview on him. It was going to be used for the NBA's, um, I think, was it in a 100-year celebration? something like I that thought, i thought it had to do with no it had to do with all-star in oh right toronto. It, it was all-star weekend it was something to do with uh, the history of the game in toronto and that almost made it to the to the airways but uh it was cool to go into his house back in 2015 so mm-hmm. i was down just outside detroit uh back when the before the pod was the pod we were still doing pods yeah the og so. pod that was the pod before there was a pod the co- uh, so that kind of wraps up our week uh, as it was a uh, little bit of news to touch on as it's been almost a month since our last podcast a uh, bit of coaching news waterloo uh, secures a couple of hires 
Troy Stevenson retains his job. Uh, he took over last year as the interim head coach. He keeps that job. Uh, former Rams head coach Borko Popich was said to be involved in the recruiting process, looking at being recruited into that position. Uh, they keep Stevenson in the job, so that's nice for Waterloo as he now gets to fully take over the program and recruit there. And friend of the show, uh, Jessica Rock, uh, she was a former assistant coach with Ryerson's women's basketball team under Carly Clark. She's now the head coach of Waterloo's women's program. Yeah, Jess has had some uh, head coaching experience while Carly's been off on her various national team duties. So coming from a high mm-hmm. high pedigree program, and I think now Waterloo, finally with some security, it's probably two people that are, are not going to be looking to jump and stay there long term. And, and hopefully for Martin Timmerman's sake, uh, build a winning program as he's out there every weekend. Yeah, he this guy deserves to be there for another championship. So hopefully... Uh... Jessica and Troy can bring that to Marty Timms. Uh, so I don't think there was any other news unless we want to get to uh, the cancellation of fall sports. Uh, well, I wanted to just mention that we had a little scoop this week that uh, UBC Thunderbirds forward Grant Shepard, you might know the name if you are a fan of the mm-hmm. game, uh, there definitely been some rumors in the past that he wasn't totally content with his role at UBC, uh, did look down into going to the NCAA last year, I believe at Grand Canyon. Um, But there were some eligibility problems caused with the CBL compensation. So now, after uh, UBC had their strong run to the national semifinal this past March, it's looking like Grant will be heading east to the nation's capital and join... Oh, the GGs. (laughs) You wish. Uh, Joining his good pal Mason Boursier at... Yeah, you guessed it. The Carlton Ravens. The Carlton Blackjack Ravens. Yeah, the Carlton Blackjack Ravens. So this has not been officially confirmed, but from from the moles we have popping up uh, across the province and the country, it seems like Grant is going to get into that Carlton system to uh, develop his game out uh, as a pro prospect as he'll be looking to make some money in a few years down the line. Yeah, and... I mean, obviously, there would be, uh, there's some question marks about would this season, whether it happens or not, count as a transfer season as he would have been uh, a year removed from playing at UBC, I believe. Whether there's games or not in the OUA, he will be 365 days removed from, I think it's less about sitting for a season and more about not playing within the same 365-day span. As we've seen some recruitment issues or eligibility issues come up with players in the past, not having to do with sitting a year, but just having accidentally played in a preseason game in November in the NCAA, (laughs) and then maybe suiting up for an October game in U Sports and not having the full year between games. So if whether there is a season... Uh, this year or not, it will count as his transfer year. And then him and Mason will be eligible uh, together at Carlton after that. They don't they don't rebuild. They just reload. It's uh, mm-hmm. tales old as time. So the rest of the country, good luck. Uh, if, if there's any year, maybe a shortened season where they can't put the entire country in a vice grip for five months and only three months, this is the time for you to uh, sneak in there for a, cha- a championship. Uh, so obviously the big news this week, uh, 
we'll get to the uh, the CEO change with uh, Graham Brown out and Dick White in in our interview upcoming. But the fall semester of sports canceled by U Sports. There will be no national championships, which really affects uh, cross country soccer and football mainly. Mm-hmm as that kind of those just fall semester sports really take the brunt of it uh sports like basketball hockey volleyball won't be able to play official league games until january 1st 2021 uh but the door is open for exhibition games yeah i think uh i think if as long as we see a decline in cases or, or the uh, local health guidelines per province start loosening. I definitely think that even if they're not even sanctioned, we could see some coaches try to do some scrimmages by teams around them. Like, I mean, you see like Waterloo and Laurier, if, if there's no guidelines against it and everyone's healthy, why not play a little scrimmage between each other just to, to keep your guys sharp and in game action, right? Yeah, and when I, when they first made the announcement, I really felt for uh, some of those provinces like Manitoba and Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. where the number of total cases and active cases is like there are less total cases in those provinces than are getting announced in the city of Toronto every day. Yeah, like, those provinces have done a bang up job in controlling this virus as best they can. So I think you'll be able to see some Saskatchewan Huskies games, maybe against some Manitoba Bisons action, uh, or the Regina Cougars as well, between Saskatchewan and Manitoba teams. That The door is open on that. Uh, we're going to do it a little bit more with an interview with Dick White. But uh, Canada West puts out a statement canceling all sports until January 1st. OUA puts out a statement. AUS puts out a statement. And I'm just searching through the archives here. Uh, I Do you see a statement from Quebec and the RSEQ at all? The only statement I see from the RSEC um, would be along the lines of, I don't know how you say it in French, but uh, it just means more. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's no official. They, they have an official. Go ahead. Like they could, they could, they could play football. Like they, I don't know if they're. As, as we've said, the, the Quebec is the SEC of Canada for a reason. Um, mm-hmm. Football there, extremely ingrained in the culture, and I know that they are probably going to wait as long as they can before canceling the football season, as we, we do have no official word, and I think the last reports out of Quebec were that the head of the RSEC has not yet made a decision. No, uh... The, the only official release from the RSEQ, I'm on their website right now, they haven't had one since March 27th, and that states, the RSEQ has the obligation and duty to immediately cancel all league activities and all provincial and regional championships until June 30th, 2020. Yeah. So perhaps they're just waiting until that June 30th to make a decision and hop on board with the rest of the country. Or perhaps they're going to look at maybe playing a conference schedule. I mean, you talk about basketball. You've got four of the five schools in walking, walking distance of yeah. each other. Yeah. And I mean, so, I know that Montreal has been kind of the, the epicenter for COVID in Canada. But uh, who knows where we're at by September across the province. And uh, in terms of football, I think that you could at least do your best to try to quarantine as much as you could. And, and Laval's in Quebec City, if they want to do some kind of hybrid setup, who knows? But uh, I, th- I think 
it's it's interesting that they haven't just decided to go along with the rest knowing there is no ultimate national championship to compete for but then again their system is entirely different with the CJEP rules to begin with so it could be something factored in with that in terms of not denying uh the young men and women that play in their sports a last chance when a lot of those those players and athletes are going into their mid-20s right yeah so we'll see how uh we'll see how quebec follows up on that but uh that's essentially uh the big news uh-huh. in terms of well sports. i don't want to step on your toes but there have been mm-hmm. some signings this week oh well i mean technically since we last broke the uh the garrett rooker signing on the tail end <laughs> of the last podcast if you needed a recap the, on that we have a uh, dual threat quarterback headed to ubc yeah uh, dual threat, not not running and throwing, but uh, <laughs> dribbling Shoot, shooting and throwing, and throwing as, he's, passing. as as he's going to be uh, a shooting guard or small forward for the Thunderbirds, as well as the quarterback. So that was the last breaking news. But yeah, uh, you know, while the season may be paused and we don't know what next year will look like, it's not signing, stopping people from signing letters of intent. Yeah, um, starting with our pal uh, Patrick Tatum down at McMaster, pulled a big center, Brandon Kenyon, out of IUPUI, uh, the alma mater of NBA point guard George Hill. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, a big one for the Marauders. Brandon from Caledonia, so gets back into uh, southern Ontario. I'm sure Patrick has big plans for him, being a big man himself, to uh, kind of mentor him. And with Connor Gilmore moving on, they're, they're going to need that scoring presence down low. Yeah, we, we've kind of touched on uh, Saskatchewan uh, and the recruitment work that they've put in so far this year with some big names. Mm-hmm. But because everyone likes to mention they like to go for it every couple of years. But uh, Marquavian Stevens, Tyrese Potoma and Seth Jones, uh, the big three recruits right there. Potoma played at Cleveland State where uh, Marauders head coach Patrick Tatum played. So that's a that's a pretty decent uh, transfer right there, uh, being able to add that directly to your team. And also Seth Jones uh, with the NHL season on pause deciding to uh, take up basketball. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we're still looking forward to uh, July 10th. We'll have training camps open again, so he'll get back in game shape, uh, <laughs> ready to go. And just the other day, Fraser Valley uh, making a large announcement of recruits, four new names joining their system, two of them transferring from Douglas College. Uh, first one being Cam Morris, who originally signed at UBC before spending last year with Douglas College. So they continue with their head coach as he moves from Douglas College to Fraser Valley. Uh, they follow him, so that's Cam Morris and Giordano Khan, and then Russell Curley and Ahmed Othman here from here in uh, Toronto. So big signing there by Fraser Valley. And our Ryerson Rams uh, went into Burlington. Uh, the last Remember the last Ryerson player out of Burlington, Phil Vujadinovic, uh, mm-hmm. fiery guy, important player in Ryerson's turnaround to the national powerhouse they are signed guard robert manella so rob uh, welcome to the squad hit us up uh for the booster club yeah uh windsor been busy as well uh jalen sykes and terrence williams both of them college transfers uh big ones but i think the one that's kind of slid underneath the radar is the uh well i mean i'm, I'm just gonna say it, the nba talent joining the york lions 
<laughs> oh yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. Out of I, uh, I, uh, no, sorry. Go on. Uh, ben Simmons will be a York Lion next year. Wow. That's right. The six the six two guard out of Fort Mac, Alberta, who played at North Star Prep. So uh, uh, not to be confused with the Australian first overall pick in the NBA, but. But if, Maybe another Ben Simmons. And if, if Ben can at least make 1-3 this season, I think it's considered more of a success than Ben Simmons' uh, Sixers career. So the bar... Yeah, I think we'll be seeing uh, our friend Trung Ho putting together a mixtape and just calling it Ben Simmons three-pointer mixtape and then including slightly in smaller characters in the description, Ben Simmons York Lions, just to see if he can get... That shock value click on his YouTube channel. There you go, Trung. I think uh, we just gave you some gold to get those impressions up. Yeah. Speaking of getting our impressions uh, up. Well, after building it up as the biggest interview we've ever had and then filling you with all of this back and forth, uh, I guess we'll get to it. Yeah. Uh, let's get to the interim CEO of U Sports. Just 10 days into the job, took time out of his very busy... Uh, schedule to call in from Saski and talk to us here's dick white we're now pleased to be joined on the line uh by the new u sports interim ceo dick white uh dick you've worked closely with university sport and candidate at all levels you're the ad at regina for 19 years uh, you're the chair of the men's hockey subcommittee at the u sports level uh you've worked as can west president so you've worked regionally nationally and at the school level uh tough question one for you is how hard has the conversion been from the retired life getting back in the saddle with this well you know to be honest a little harder than i thought it would be um i actually thought i'd just kind of uh, jump back in but uh no it kind of did disrupt my uh retired lifestyle a little bit but you know i'm starting to get into a bit of a daily rhythm and uh uh, you know, starting, I, I find uh, I find every day when I when I talk to uh, talk to youth, youth sports staff and I talk to members, uh, I start to get really excited about uh, uh, about the days to come and and kind of what we're uh, what we're going to try and do over the next year or so. Now you seem like the kind of guy from everything that I've heard and everything that I've read that is a youth sports university sport guy through and through. How did this come to be, uh, obviously, with Graham Brown working his way out of the picture? Were you contacted by U Sports and seen if you were interested in getting back into the workforce with this job, or is this something that you had shown some interest in in the past? Well, no, well I mean, I've shown interest from, the, from uh, the point of view that I've always been uh, interested in the national organization and always felt like it played the brand of the national organization played a key role even down at, at each uh, university, whether you went to a national championship or not. Uh, but yes, I was, I was approached by some former colleagues uh, uh, on the board of directors who um, opened, the, opened the conversation just basically, you know, uh, would I be interested in an interim role? And I indicated, well, uh, you know, I wasn't and this was before COVID. I said, although I, you know, I had some willingness to commute, I wasn't, you know, prepared to move out of out of Regina to Toronto, and I, and I, and I sure wasn't looking much beyond a year because I'm, I was not interested in a brand new career. But uh, yeah, this sounded kind of exciting for a, a short period of time. Now, Dick, uh, I was listening to you on the Growing the Game podcast last week before um, 
the, the COVID news of canceling the fall semester of sports, and you were discussing uh, the future of the Vanier Cup and the football season. How have things sort of shifted since you had to make that decision to cancel all the fall championships? Well, there hasn't been a lot of shift. It's, it's more now what's the, what's the impact of that decision and our eligibility our eligibility committee has uh, continued to uh, work, uh, actually have, have ramped up the number of meetings they're having per week to, uh, to, to target the, the board meeting in a week or two here. Uh, so the eligibility committee realizes there's, uh, there's a few gaps that, that our student athletes need answers and our university need answers on. Um, you know, the, the impact is more a little bit monitoring um, you know, what are the questions out there? What, uh, you know, other than that incredible disappointment, uh, which I, I have full empathy for, um, uh, really there, it's, it's been a matter of how do we, how do we go forward for the fall? And, and then what's the, what's the winter going to, what's the winter going to bring me? The good part about this, that we had all four regions, uh, four presidents, four athletic directors on our board of directors that represent the four regions in the country involved in this decision um, and the decision came about after uh, you know extensive input from committees so it was one that was really a national decision not one that I sit up in the ivory tower and said well I think I'll cancel sport today mm-hmm. uh, a lot of questions coming especially on multi-semester sports that are going to continue on into the spring uh, you've said no competitions before January first of 2021 from what i understand u sports won't be charging a year of eligibility unless there is a national championship played so my question is is say in hockey basketball or volleyball if there were to be a january to march conference season but no national championship would the plan be to not charge a year of eligibility to those students that played in that shortened season that, that is the current ruling right now, that if they only played conference or exhibition and, and the national championship was canceled, that they, they would not be charged eligibility. I, uh, you know, I, I would have to, you know, that's what's on the books right now. Would, would they look at something different if, uh, um, if they're, you know, would they look at something different for the, the basketballs or, or hockey if they, if they do start up in January? Uh, I don't think so, but I, I can't say for sure. I'd have to leave that potential open. But right now, what's on the books, if there's no national championship, there'll be no eligibility use. Now, in terms of uh, how local health guidelines among different conferences and different provinces could shift in the fall, do you say, see a world where some of these football teams or, or teams that have wraparound season basketball and hockey potentially playing exhibition games in the fall? Um, you know, that is a, that is entirely a conference decision and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, local health authorities, for instance, uh, uh, I know right now, uh, you know, interprovincial competition, at least, uh, at least in the West, I guess, you know, we're always dealing with, with health being a provincial jurisdiction, but interprovincial competition, um, would be a no go and, and, you know, safe distancing on buses and those kind of things. I think they were calculating that it might take seven buses to, to take a football team safely, uh, given the current guidelines. So, but the, the short answer to your question is, is that regions do have the, 
have the right to make that decision. So um, if, a, if it was acceptable to a, a region, a youth board is not going to get in the way. The only thing we have said is that if that competition goes on, those, those, uh, those student-athletes need to be eligible. Uh, that, that hasn't changed. So they need to be a full-time student, and they need to be academically eligible, etc. Now, I'm sure this is still early on in conversations as you know you haven't canceled a national championship for volleyball or basketball or hockey or anything yet, but have there been any discussions on if a school was not able to host for a 2020-2021 national championship, would you guys just kind of carry over to the following year? For example, St. FX was set to host the men's basketball final eight. If there was no championship in 2021, would the plan be to have FX host again in 2022? Uh, I believe we've had conversations that that would be that would be fair. Um, uh, whether that's at a final stage or not, all I can I'm, I'm going to beg I'm going to beg a little forgiveness that I've been in the job ten days, mm-hmm. but I know that I know that that uh, I know that that competition that 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 uh, uh, those thoughts have occurred and. Uh, you know, it seems it, it seems fair, assuming um, assuming that that host university still wants to host. Uh, you, you, you never know. It, like maybe if it's a year later, uh, there's already a giant event uh, in their in their city that that might uh, preclude them from hosting. So, uh, you know, before we get too far down down that that path, we we kind of have to see what's going to happen in the winter. But there have definitely been those conversations that that may be a, uh, a fair approach to those uh, universities that, that have gone out and bid uh, on the championship. Now, shifting a little bit off COVID discussion, um, I think one of your biggest contributions, at least at Regina, was the merging of the football program with the university. And with the, the community funding model that had, do you think that's something that you will at least bring up in conversations with different schools who are struggling to get kind of that local support for their different programs? Well, I think they're well aware. Um, you know, people are well aware of the, you know, whether it's uh, Laval is a little different funded, uh, uh, you know, it's been a little more private uh, sector funding, as best I know, private as opposed to uh, the community model. Um, but, uh, you know, I think I think many universities are aware of that kind of a that kind of a partnership, um, and and uh, many of them in well, every university I know uh, is very dependent on funding well beyond what the university provides for them in a base budget. So uh, the concept of, of reaching out to supporters within the community is 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 not a new one, and although it's uh, Perhaps contractually a little more formalized with the uh, uh, Rams and U of R arrangement. Um, it's it's going on it's going on in a in a number of places. In fact, especially if we look at uh, wrestling, track and fields, and swimming, um, most of the programs are are highly connected with uh, uh, local clubs within within the community to to help deliver the program, uh, not only at the university level but. Uh, train and compete year-round in in other domestic competitions. Now, Dick, you've mentioned you've only been on the job 10 days, and I've heard that one of the first steps you're trying to do is communicate with schools, communicate with leagues, and just try and hear how the national office can help those 
at the levels below it uh, achieve their goals and help them as much as possible. You mentioned you're kind of in an in-between the interim tag. Uh, do you have any short-term goals of what you want to accomplish in this role for the time that you are? Well, some of my goals, as you mentioned, are definitely to reach out and, and, and uh, uh, learn from our members how the national office can, uh, can, can serve them. Uh, and in their delivery of, of sports. So um, if, I, if I look at very short term, it's, uh, I've got to meet our, uh, meet our staff. I, I do know some of them, but I'm just getting to know some of them. We had first staff meeting last week, and I've got a plan in the upcoming weeks to have a conversation with every one of them. Uh, then reaching out to the regions and the members, um, you know, working very closely with the leadership team in the office to, uh, uh, you know, continue to chart a path for the year or so. Some of my goals are going to be determined after I get a, you know, I get my finger on the pulse of the membership and uh, um, what are their thoughts, uh, what are their hot button items, and uh, what roles in the national office play in uh, um, in a very difficult time of uh, of uh, making maybe making their life just a little bit better. Yeah, I think especially when we talk about how it feels like almost every university campus is going to have different restrictions on in-person instruction and, and what staff is working on campus. Is that something you're going to look to also discuss with these schools in terms of the different needs among all the different member institutions? Well, we got, we have to respect that. And to be honest, that's not something that, um, you know, that's very much the individual jurisdiction uh, of of each university, and, and uh, I had an interesting comment from our chair and president um, on a call a couple of days ago, and, and we were talking about this, and, and she said, well, there's no way I'm going to put our athletes at greater risk than I would our, our, our students that are, that are not in the hallways, they're all online uh, because, of this, uh, because of this pandemic. So, you know, the, the decision made uh, collectively was one that very much is already being made at a number of universities. My former University of U of R is entirely online for the fall, with the exception, I believe, of a few small grad classes and things like that that they can have, uh, um, uh, you know, they can have alternate seating arrangements and things that, that make it possible. But, uh, um, you, you know, it's, it's one of those things if, if uh, we can provide, if we can provide some some help at the national office we will um but uh, i have every confidence that universities are uh, for the most part very well run and and uh, they've, they've been working on this for a while one of the things we saw in the five years that graham brown was in office was uh as the existing tv contract with sportsnet to broadcast the national championships for hockey basketball and the vanier cup uh, ended. There was no TV partner announced uh, afterwards. Will that be something, I mean, obviously a little bit more difficult with already no Vanier and question marks about hockey and basketball, but moving forward, will a, a TV plan and a broadcast deal be something that U Sports looks to secure again for those sports or even others that had worked in the past off of streaming and back onto cable TV? Well, you know, we'll have the conversations. Um, it's kind of whether whether it's a, you know especially this year uh, it, it's it's almost in some ways a good year to have some of those to have some of those conversations 
um, just because um, we're not in a, uh, well, we'll see how the winter goes, but we're not in a rush immediately trying to trying to think, well, can you do the, the Vanier Cup in, in, you know, three, four months here? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not, we're not quite bound by time. Um, but, you know, I'm not entirely, I'm not entirely convinced that, uh, although it doesn't have the same prestige, the, the effectiveness and how many people we can get to through steam, streaming um, uh, really actually even kind of surprises me because I'm a regular cable, cable TV guy. Mm-hmm. But what I find pretty interesting is my two daughters are in their 20s, both have their own homes, and neither, neither one of them have cable. Uh, they're either watching Netflix or they're, watch, they're watching, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're watching stuff off their phone and getting it on the TV. So, um, uh, old guys like me, yeah, we're still we're all watching CSN and Sportsnet, and I'm, I'm glued to the TV with that kind of stuff. But I know there is an audience out there uh, that streaming is more than acceptable. And one of the things I'm finding is the quality uh, of the broadcast, having replays. Uh, and if you look during the year, uh, virtually every university now or every conference has webcasts. Uh, it's something that uh, uh, it's something that is becoming um, well, it is mainstream uh, compared to where we were 15, 20 years ago. Uh, so I never want to rule out. Uh, I never want to rule out those metrics. Um, but on on the other hand, it's uh, we we put a lot of emphasis on having that one or two men's hockey games um, and sometimes they've had good audiences they really have and sometimes uh, they haven't um, the unfortunate part is we need to we need to be outside of our walls whether it's streaming or webcast whatever it may be we need to be outside our walls all year if we're going to promote the product uh, not just in March um, so Saying that, you can you can see that I'm uh, I'm not uh, it's not not a major concern for me right now, but I think it would be a mistake if we uh, don't continue to have discussion with uh, uh, with those big sports networks and and see where we might fit and how we could be better. Um, gee whiz, even if we could just get if we could just get scores on the broadcast and things, uh, it would be it would be a, a start for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you bring up a great point with, with having to be outside the box, not just for the championships in March. I think with CBC taking on some of that streaming last year, there's potential with their focus on future sports. To cover the, the youth sports landscape year-round into the future, would that be a, a part of a deal in your mind, is making sure there is coverage, whether it's streaming or on television, for a game of the year-round and not just hopping in for two weeks in March? I would love that because I really think that's it. I mean, we we think that, um, you know, when we have good ratings and we have a sold-out, let's say, and I, because I've been to so many hockey championships, you know, we got UNB, it's just rocking, uh, mm-hmm. like three, 4,000 people in it. Uh, it's a great venue. We have a great game. But to be honest, what has, how has that impacted crowds across the nation in hockey um, come September, October the next year. My observation is people have short memories because they're not showing up at the rink other than some locations. They're not necessarily showing up at the rink um, come uh, come the, you know six months later. So I think it, 
we we can't just pop in at March and and think that you know okay well we've done our hockey promotion for the year no we need it we need it going in those great games that we have in September and into the playoffs so the idea of a national game per week is great I almost like the idea of a regional game of the week because I'm just not sure even though Queens versus Western could be an absolutely great hockey game I'm not sure that the folks in Calgary are going to watch it. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure about that. But they yeah. might watch Saskatchewan versus Alberta. They might watch that because they go, oh, that's going to have an impact on whether the Dinos are, you know, are going to be in first or second. This, you know, so I think you know our country. We're pretty regional. Uh, like that's that's kind of our focus. We may be able to build. We may be able to build at some point that they'd be interested in watching Queens Western. But I think that's sort of more around. Uh, like Ontario would be pretty interested in that game, I think. I, I would hope. Um, so that might be something we can build to. But I really, I, I love the idea of, of regional, and that's what I really. There was a time when I was still at the U of R. I, I always hoped that Sportsnet, with their regional, um, uh, regional networks, would maybe look at that kind of a concept because uh, um, I mean, heck. They do it with the NHL, right? Like I, I see a ton of, ton of Calgary and Winnipeg games here. Um, sometimes, if I, it might be hard for me to get a, a Toronto game, which that doesn't bother me. I'm, I'm a Ranger fan. <laughs> That's how old I am. You can tell they're an original six fan, and it's outside of Canada, but you must be old. But uh, uh, so I, I like. I think I, I think there's a starting slot, and it would be great. It'd be great to see some of that in a, in a regional, and that would maybe help build our crowds. Um, if we look at what the CHL does, uh, we get regional games, and, and no doubt some of them are televised nationally, but um, they do sell out some arenas uh, just when a game's on TV because people think it's pretty cool to be on TV watching the um, Regina Pats play the Saskatoon Blades. And so, uh, anyway, a, a lot of thinking about that. I don't think it's simple and, and you know TV's changed so much in the last 20 years and the whole access to sport and entertainment has changed so much and uh, uh, as universities we you know what we should be leading edge um, we got to get a little better and I think that's beyond thinking the traditional the traditional avenues um, you know if, you, if you're patient with me I went to a conference when I was very early in the job a million years ago and it was actually down in St. Louis and at the time, they were having, they were this old million dollar NCAA contracts, you know, for their NCAA Division One football. And I'm sitting there listening, what's this got to do with me? And, uh, you know, a million dollar contract, you know, like double our total budget, like, and they're getting it in one contract. I'm just kind of, kind of dozing off listening to the session. And then I went to another one, and it was for Division Two and Three schools. And the guy said, Get on TV no matter how you get on TV. Mm-hmm. And if that's your local cable channel, yeah. get on local cable. Like, don't don't think and whine and complain because you're not on the NBC Game of the Week or whatever. Because you're not going to get on NBC Game of the Week. But you know what? If you can get on local cable, now you start to generate interest. If you can get away games, if you can get in the range, you now get some of your away games on your local cable. Now maybe they'll come out and watch your team at the so it you know that always stuck with me and that was that might have been 30 years ago 
And that always stuck with me sometimes. That we always think it needs to be, we always think it needs to be with the TSNs or sports network. No, we, we've got to get people, we've got to get people to come to our rinks, to come to our gyms, to come to our football stadiums. And that's going to be our local folks. So how can we, uh, how can we, how can we have the local guys, um, how, can, how can we make sure that they, uh, they get the chance to follow the team more often and stuff, which is, that's why I like the webcast. That's why I like streaming because it's affordable that people can do that. So thank you for your patience. So that's a long rant about something that's not about a long time. No, yeah. but that that's a great insightful answer because, I mean, the both of us have always said on this show that people need to stop trying to compare it to professional leagues and division one ncaa that people need to look at division two and division three because those models are what going to work at the u sports and university sport in canada level uh last oh, one for me. absolutely so right yeah yeah uh last one for me uh you've got the interim tag as ceo right now uh from what i can understand i mean missing the retired life it's not a role that you want to stay in forever uh, when will the search begin to find uh, the next guy in charge of U Sports? And what does the ideal candidate look like to continue to take U Sports and university sport in Canada to the next level? Well, that's actually one of the questions. That, that's actually not so much the search, but like, what does the what does the next person look like? Is one of my questions when I reach out to members. Um, uh, the search, I the search I would suggest would be. Um, obviously, in the new year, um, I told them. I told them that uh, uh, I sure wouldn't go. Like I'm kind of looking at a year as, as max, or I'd fire myself. <laughs> so I'm thinking we got to start the search sometime in the uh, early in the new year. It might be, you know, it might be February or March when we're starting to look at a, I'd say a June start, a May or June start, because it takes time to search for people and. It takes time for somebody to leave a job that they're in and all those other kinds of things, and that would create some opportunity for transition as well. Um, what does a new person look like? I think I just alluded to some of it. I think it's somebody that is in touch with today, um, and 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 when we're talking, um, we're talking things like media and sponsorship. Um, it, it needs to be somebody that understands and gets um, what is the vision of uh, Canadian university sport. Um, and it's not, it's not the Toronto Argonauts, it's not the Raptors. Uh, we, can learn from, we can learn from some of those people, but that's not where we are. Um, so I think it's, I'm, I'm hoping, to be honest, that uh, um, it's not an old guy like me. I really want it to be. I want it to be somebody that uh, uh, has a has a view of the world that uh, um, can really see can really see where Canadian university sport and the landscape is for it now. And so that's why the things like uh, the streaming services and the other kinds of things need to be up to date on on uh, what the world is like. So um, I don't want to lack. I don't want to put an, an age on it, but I would hope it's somebody that that um, has played or worked or, or been in the Canadian university system. Um, I think that's a start. And uh, um, who knows what else they'll bring. It will be, what are the priorities? Is it, 
is it reaching out to the corporate world or is it uh, somebody who's more grassroots and, and working with the members? It's, uh, that's a difficult call, and there's, uh, you hope you hope for a little bit of uh, hope for a little bit of everything. But um, I am going to ask the members that question, and I think that's a very important question for our members uh, before we do the search: is uh, what does the next person look like? Mr. White, we really appreciate your time today and all the insight. Uh, we hope it's uh, not here for a long time, but here for a good time. We're looking forward to the 12 months or so under your reign, and uh, we look forward to seeing U Sports back to the way it was before on the other side of this pandemic. And thanks a lot for the time today. Yeah, well, same thing, and uh, let's do it again, guys. It's been fun. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not one to judge a guy on a 25, 30-minute conversation, but... Uh, Based on those 25 minutes or so with Dick White, uh, I'm a big fan, I'm a big believer, and I'm excited to see what he does in his 12 months at the helm of U-Sports. Yeah, it's definitely in good hands. Uh, One, just on the fact I think he knows what they need to look for for the position uh, when they hire someone permanent. Uh, He's been a guy that's been around the game and been a builder of the game uh, at Regina and in Saskatchewan among youth and university sports his entire life. And I think we heard almost more constructive dialogue from him in that interview than we got from Graham Brown in five whole years. So mm-hmm. it's uh, a great pivot for U Sports. I think that it's going to be a much more upbeat environment at the national office with Dick uh, running point on things. It's going to be a more invigorated staff. And I know everyone's going to be chomping at the bit once we actually can play sports again to get things fired up and, and try to have a strong spring. Yeah. Uh, so to cap off the podcast here, if you're still listening after the interview, a uh, new segment we want to try out as we have very few continuing segments on the podcast, but <laughs> lots of new ones that usually last for one episode. Uh, this is stock up, stock down. If we had a little jingle, that's where it would, that's where it would play. Some like MSNBC music. Yeah, but we don't have that. Well, uh, maybe. So, first up, uh, if I were to get you to do a Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. of Ottawa University athletics in the basketball world for the last eight years, yep. uh, I think stock up number one is the Ottawa Blackjacks, as they just signed all four members of it with the Scrub Brothers, Johnny Berhanna Maskell and Keiza Kajimikin all committing to play for the Blackjacks. Yeah. Uh, now that was, that's a that's a July tournament they'll be looking to play in the CEBL? Yeah, hopefully uh, it comes to fruition. I know there was some momentum building a couple weeks ago. Haven't heard anything recently, but hopefully Joe Razzo and co. are working uh, with Mike Morreale in the shadows to pull it all together. What I would say uh, with the Blackjacks, hurry up and call Bet Chris, uh, official league sponsor, I believe based in Nicaragua, and get your futures bets in on the Blackjacks right now. Yeah, uh, if you're a fan of the GGs or Ravens, I think you're going to be very familiar with this Blackjacks team. Of course, general manager Dave Smart, but you've got Jean-Emmanuel Pierre-Childs, who played at both Ottawa and Carleton, uh, Yazin Joseph, Munis Tutu, TJ Lal, Lloyd Pandy, Alain Louis, uh, and then... Of course, Kajmi Keen, Brahana Maskell, and the Scrubs. So a lot of Ravens and a few GGs. Do we, th- up for, do we uh, think Blackjack fans 
can come together and put away their Ottawa versus Carlton rivalry that burns through their blood on a daily basis. Yeah, uh, I mean, especially if they sell some Panda third jerseys, I think that could. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I think missed opportunity. I mean, Blackjacks is a really cool name. It is, but you could have called them the Pandas, the Ottawa Pandas. Kind of, I don't. And then you would have been set for in think, for intro music. I think Blackjacks has a little bit of <laughs> hate you. Blackjacks has a uh, a bit more of a ring to it, you know, embracing the whole gambling aspect. <laughs> Yeah, just uh, just rings off, rolls off the tongue a little bit better. Uh, yeah, so but, uh, their stock is up. Stock up. Uh, we addressed earlier stock up. Uh, RSEC, uh, for yep. for staying optimistic. We love the attitude, even if it doesn't come to fruition. No, uh, just staying committed to maybe playing some sports in the fall. That's exciting. Uh, of course, safety first, but yep. we're, we're stock up on the optimism. Uh, stock down, uh, UBC at the moment. Uh, clearly, with we addressed earlier in the pod, Grant Shepard out and losing a member of the coaching staff. So uh, the Thunderbirds, and, and, and just in the turnover with Jaden and Manroop graduating as well, it'll be a rebuilding season. Yeah, uh, so stock down, uh, UBC, uh, stock up, the pod, uh, I, uh, for the yeah. interview that we had. Uh, buy stock now on Muted Madness. We have grown to now over 700 Twitter followers. Um, yes, so we appreciate the fans. Yeah, uh, all the new people that have joined the community this week from our various uh, content reach, uh, happy to have you. We hope you download, subscribe, and continue listening when... We tighten up the ship uh, in the future. And last one, stock up. Uh, very good friend of the show, Brody Clark. Uh, his stock is up as he signed a professional contract with the Trier Gladiators at the German Pro A League. Shouts to Brody. OG, OG fan of the show. Yeah, uh, an original listener and uh, an original guest and an original friend of the show. So nice to have him doing well with stock up and uh if you hear that right now 3 28 p.m on a friday afternoon that is the closing bell so we will close we'll close stock up stock down with that uh thanks for listening yeah Uh, happy to have everyone tune in for this one with mr white and uh our various musings on the state of U sports and uh, the upcoming basketball season. Uh, we'll probably come back in July for an update post Canada day. Hey, I just, I, I, I just want to take this opportunity as we won't have the opportunity in the pod to do so to wish every single Canadian listening <laughs> a goddamn happy Canada day because you live in the greatest country in the world. <laughs> I have nothing to add. <laughs> okay. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll now be closing with some Canadian music. I say close this which, out with the uh, the classic classified O Canada. Uh, done. Thanks for listening. <laughs>
the land of the lost, trans-Canada cross, patriotic and a honor with my hand on my heart, from the greatest of lakes, to the greenest of greens, to the rockiest mountains and everything in between, oh Canada, oh you're no fan of us, cause a movie and TV shows are so amateur, yeah we laugh it off, that don't really bother me, look we ain't serious unless we really gotta be, humorous attitudes like kids in a hall, the Jim Carrey, Mike Myers, how we claiming them all, it's a great white north, I'm on the funniest actors, the front of the joke with an abundance of laughter, the red and white flag, keep it high, keep it visual, people say Canada gets stereotypical, think we finish every sentence with buddy or bye, and if it ain't that, it's either dude A or guy, yeah we consider it people, and smoke a marijuana, we consider it legal, still doing rap like the 1990s, but that's how we like it, off time and grimy, yeah, I know where I'm from and I told you before, north of America, hard to ignore, every time I go away, I tell them for sure, I'm from Canada, oh, 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 Canada, I've been around the globe and heard the confusion Honestly, a lot of y'all are ignorant and stupid Yes, we have microwaves, TVs, and cell phones Unintelligent fuck, we invented the telephone We made Yahtzee, the light bulb, hockey And bred the greatest players, Gretzky to Crosby We all got at least one drink and buddy And after one drink, all of us think we're funny A national mascot's a damn beaver Oh Canada, we love our beaver Home of Hells Angels and RCMP Home of Gordon Lightfoot and SCTV The Underground Railroad George St. Pierre right here's where we call home A healthcare system, y'all know it's free Keep a girl banging with a full mouth of teeth I won't even get into the music industry They say hip-hop is dead, nah, it's up north with me I can do this all day, it's a part of my routine But supper's almost done, and tonight routine. I know where I'm from and I told you before of America, hard to ignore. Every time I go away, I tell them for sure. I'm from Canada, oh, 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 Canada. I'm from the East Coast of Canada, oh, 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 oh Canada. I'm from the East, East, East Coast. <laughs> Don't go, see I'm from Canada, so sometimes words come over my mouth like this Get used to it!